Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation and we recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, Melbourne. Welcome to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. You're here with just little old lonely me, Lauren, in the studio, and MV, who is kindly panelling but is not awake enough to speak at this point in time. Um, so to start the day off with a bang, we're going to hear some words from our presenter, Ayan, about the passing of Erica Garner last week. We at Tuesday Breakfast want to remember Erica Garner for her contributions in making the world a better place for communities historically oppressed by state-sanctioned policies. Erica Garner was the daughter of Eric Garner, a black man who died from a chokehold administered by a police officer of the NYPD. Eric was recorded by his friend Ramsey Alter as he cried out 11 times, I can't breathe, and whose pleas went unanswered. Erica was an anti-police brutality activist who spoke out against the war on drugs, a war that disproportionately targets black and brown communities for minor marijuana offences. Offences that whites commit at an equal rate but aren't punished to the same degree. Now that marijuana has been legalised in many US states, white-owned businesses are propping up to take advantage of this new market. Erica Garner not only held the police departments accountable, she also criticised the TV network ABC, who had originally okayed an opportunity for Erica to ask President Obama a question, but then went back on that promise on the night of the town hall meeting. Erica's refusal to support Hillary Clinton also sets her apart. Hillary Clinton was a favourite with white and black liberals, and if Hillary had won, this would have made her the first female president. But it's no secret that the Clintons have played a role in the mass incarceration of black and brown men in the US. Erica recognised justice was for all communities affected by state-sanctioned violence, including Palestine. She tweeted her frustration at the bias of Black Lives Matter allies when she said they were all for black lives till we talk about Palestine. Erica was 27 when she died from a heart attack. She lives behind her family and admirers around the world. And that was Ayan Shirwa, a 3CR Tuesday Breakfast presenter, talking about the passing of Erica Ghana. And now we're going to hear a song that Ayan has chosen for this moment called So Much to Say by Lauren Hill. And that was the incredible Lauren Hill with her song, So Much to Say. You are on 3CR Tuesday Breakfast with myself, Lauren, and we have an amazing show today lined up. Um, Firstly, we'll be hearing an old radioactive show podcast in conversation with Irene Watson about whether terra nullius persists in a colonial legal system. 
We'll be joined live in the studio by Nick Ranger of Melbourne band Data Ono. Nick is a musician, artist and a tech professional and she's going to join us to talk about whatever she likes, really. Um, we are also going to interview Annette from IPAN to talk about Australia's donations uh, donation of $10.3 million to U.S. arms manufacturers. We'll be speaking with Nasa Mashni of the Australian-Palestinian Advocacy Network to talk about recent events in Palestine. And finally, we'll be speaking with Awak, who is a South Sudanese community member, to talk about the media's racist portrayal of the South Sudanese community. Big show, so um, please stay on the line. The social safety net in Australia is being eroded by government cutbacks to essential services and also bullying tactics, as we've seen recently with the Centrelink robo-debts, for just one example. This is a public service announcement. Over the Wall wants to offer you some simple tools to fight back and defend yourself against a grossly unfair and aggressive system. A system that penalises people already disadvantaged by poverty and significant health conditions. Tune in every Monday at 7.50am on Monday Brekkie for Over the Wall. Start the year with a song, or many songs, at the Singers' Festival at Abbotsford Convent January 12 to 14, with Jimena Abaka, Lamine Sonko, Beat Lehman, Steve Turner, and heaps more singers. Go to boite.com.au. The Boite is a 3CR supporter. The Solidarity and Defence Fund is a democratically controlled fund that materially supports activists who are facing legal sanctions or other problems due to their stand against injustice and oppression. All contributors who pledge at least $5 a month can take part in collectively making decisions about how the fund is used. Your contributions support and grow movements for social justice and defend activists in the fight for a better world. For more information or to join, go to patreon.com forward slash solidarity defense fund that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash solidarity defense fund a 3cr supporter and you're back on tuesday breakfast on 3cr with me lauren and mb on the panels it's going to be a nice sunny day or they say partly cloudy but i'm optimistic um it's going to be a top of 21 but right now it is a kind of a little bit frosty outside. Um, so now we are going to go to a podcast, a previous radioactive show um, discussion with Irene Watson. And welcome to the radioactive show produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hello, this is the radioactive show produced in the studios of 3CR Radio on Wurundjeri country of the Kulin Nation, uh, otherwise known as Fitzroy, Melbourne. I'm Emma Crunch. And today I bring you a conversation with Tanganakald, Mayantank and Bowendick woman Irene Watson. I've been reading Irene's articles since my early law studies over a decade ago and I'm excited to share some of her ideas with our Radioactive Show listeners. Irene is also the Pro Vice-Chancellor at the University of South Australia 
a First Nations representative to the United Nations and has been published widely in law, Indigenous and feminist journals. She speaks from her position as a First Nations person to critique and examine the colonial legal system here in Australia and particularly by questioning its attempts at recognition of Aboriginal relationships to land and their laws. So, thanks for joining us for a chat. Um, Professor Irene Watson on the Radioactive Show. And would you like to start out, could you just introduce yourself and your country and where you come from in speaking to us? Yeah. Hello, Emma. Thank you for inviting me to speak on your show. I'm a Tanganakaw, Miantank, uh, Bowendick uh, woman. I belong to the lands of those peoples. Uh, uh, my territory is the, includes the Coorong and the southeast of, of um, South Australia. Mm. And I'm interested in having a chat about um, it's the legal system broadly, but also uh, the native title, so-called protection and heritage. Um, and I know that you've written a lot on these topics and I've read that you've you've said that the doctrine of terra nullia still exists in this country called Australia and um, I'm interested in how you think this is and how that's come to be when the popular view is that it was quashed in, the, in, in Mabo in the 90s. Well, the the High Court decision in Marbo said it rejected terra nullius, and in part it rejected terra nullius with regard to Australian property law. That is, the the Australian property law um, in in relation to the Marbo decision enabled what they called Aboriginal title, or uh, what the Commonwealth and the Native Title Act to follow up called native title Mm -hmm. and it's simply a title of a a beneficial um, use to the land it uh, it it doesn't enable uh, it's not a form of land rights as uh, many uh, Aboriginal peoples in the in from from a long time or since the colonization and coming of Cook and the invasion have um, have in, in different ways mm. advocated for in in in, uh, uh, in in the protection of country. So it's it's not a it's not a strong recognition. Mm. However, it's a, a recognised form of title within Australian property law. How um, what I mean by terra nullius not being fully rejected relates to the very um, marginal recognition of, um, of Aboriginal people's connection to country and also a complete, uh, uh, I guess, a, a continuing terra nullius with respect to all other aspects of, of Aboriginal, Aboriginal ways of, of, of being and living. That is, mm. you know, I mean, Mary Graham has famously sa- 
said that, um, you know, First Nations peoples have been governing and managing this land forever, you know, for, mm. for thousands and thousands of years. So that very aspect of, of Terra Nullius is retained in that um, since the coming of Cook, the, the Aboriginal management and governing of this country was discontinued. So it's that aspect of Terra Nullius that is alive and well. That is that the um, Mabo decision um, did not um, fully recognise the ongoing um, uh, Aboriginal laws and, and governance of, mm. um, of Australia. Mm. And this was, um, as stated in the Mabo decision, that the Australian legal system could not uh, um, give recognition to that um, uh, right of Aboriginal peoples to continue to govern and manage our lands because it would, ref it would fracture the legal foundation of the Australian state. So in that sense, Terra Nullius is still alive and well mm. and we have um, gained very, very minimal uh, recognition out of both the Mabo decision and also even lesser recognition in the subsequent Native Title Act. Mm. And in terms of, in, in fact, I'd even go, um, go further that under the, under the, the kind of, um, the, the construct of recognising Aboriginal title within a Native Title framework, the Native Title Act has opened up this process of Indigenous land usage agreements which have been negotiated in, 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 in diverse and different um, uh, uh, regions across Australia with different First Nations peoples, um, a variety of Indigenous land usage agreements and you know one which is topical is in relation to Adani and I'm not going to purport to, to say that I can speak of or for or on, on behalf of mm. the people but, but of, of, of that area and who are going to be or who are resisting and will um, succeed in their resistance against whatever it is a no-brainer that, you know, this development has absolutely got to be stopped because it's just it's just crazy stuff, you know, mm. to, to, to be even thinking about a development project like that at, at, at this time, um, mm. critical time on our planet. But anyway, um, the point is, in, in, with regard to Indigenous land usage agreements, is that uh, an Indigenous land usage agreement, as I understand, was negotiated um, or considered as being negotiated. And so that opened up the floodgate of, of enabling state and developers to sort of tick the box of consent that Aboriginal people had consented to this. Now, this is disputed and, um, and, and, and disputed and argued that the process was, uh, was unconscionable, was, was, was not proper, um, from from neither an Aboriginal perspective nor from within the very, very um, narrow kind of um, regime and framework of the Native Title Act. 
Mm, so, and that's... Um, so, so um, just to follow on sure. with, with that example, is yeah. I, I'm very, I, I've always been concerned about the, the problematic of Illuas being used because we have in one hand this idea that Aboriginal rights have been recognised as native title and then in the other hand opening up Pandora's box to uh, develop a process or construct a process of Aboriginal consent mm. to whatever. And, and this, this is occurring all over the country. And I've said um, in, in some of my writings that what we have here is, 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 is ecocide and genocide of peoples legitimised by the Australian legal system but parading that particular impact and effect of ecocide because you could not consider, you know, the, as, as, as the example that I've given of a project like Adani going ahead and the, the potential that that would have upon native title, you know, First Nations peoples of that region mm. being anything other than ecocide and the genocide of, um, of, of human relationships, mm. ongoing future sustainable relationships um, that would enable the ongoing identity of First Nations peoples in relation to that country. So it's, it's very... Native title is tricky business mm. because it parades as recognition but it enables um, very, very... Um, uh, developments such as Adani. So, if, uh, if they're allowed to proceed in the way that um, the state, that the state, both the um, the uh, the government and the opposition who seems to be supporting this are enabling at the moment. Mm. Yeah, that certainly is um, really topical and important to be talking about at the moment. And that was an interview that 3CR's Radioactive program did with Irene Watson, a lawyer who writes about the colonial legal system. Lest we forget, join us to commemorate the 176th anniversary of the execution of the two freedom fighters, Tanaminawai and Moorbohina, at the Tanaminawai and Moorbohina Monument, corner of Victoria and Franklin Street, Melbourne. Do you know the names of the first men hanged here in Melbourne town? Join us midday, Saturday the 20th of January 2018 and then walk with us to their last resting place in the Queen Victoria markets. The ceremony will be broadcast live on Community Radio 3CR, 3cr.org.au. Far from their ancestral homes down in Van Diemen's land They knew their lives would be in vain if they didn't take a stand. 
The Solidarity and Defence Fund is a democratically controlled fund that materially supports activists who are facing legal sanctions or other problems due to their stand against injustice and oppression. All contributors who pledge at least $5 a month can take part in collectively making decisions about how the fund is used. Your contributions support and grow movements for social justice and defend activists in the fight for a better world. For more information or to join, go to patreon.com forward slash solidarity defense fund. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash solidarity defense fund. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. Um, now we are going to hear a song by the very beautiful, wonderful Napalm, who is a Sydney-based musician. The song is called Crossfire slash So Into You, and it's from her record Needle Paw. And that was Napalm with Crossfire So Into You. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. 855am on your dial or live stream or post live stream on 3cr.org.au. It's Tuesday the 9th of January already and it's going to be a top of 21 degrees today. And with us on the line now we have Annette, um, Annette Brownlee, sorry, from the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network. Good morning, Annette. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're up really early in Queensland. Hi, Lauren, and thank you for the interview. That's great. Pleasure. So um, maybe you could begin by just giving our listeners a bit of background on what is IPAN. Yeah, IPAN's a network of um, a range of organisations, you know, churches, trade unions, peace organisations around the country. So we have uh, affiliates in each of the states, and uh, we've been very busy since we brought the network together in 2012. Fantastic. And so um, IPAN does a lot of work around uh, weapons and military sort of law and that sort of thing. Is that is that the kind of work that you mostly do? Yeah, we've um, been engaged in um, a range of issues, really, anything from military spending to opposing the stationing of troops on Australian territory. That's really what brought us together. As a network, we became very concerned when we heard the announcement that uh, uh, Julie Gillard made with uh, Barack Obama Mm. that um, they would be stationing American Marines in the Northern Territory on a semi-permanent basis. I mean, it is a base in all uh, but name. So that's what really brought us together uh, because we've never done this really since the Second World War. We've never allowed any foreign country to base their troops in Australia. So it rang alarm bells. Very significant, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so it must be quite alarming then for you, particularly for your organisation with so much background knowledge. Um, We've seen some recently released figures that show that the Australian Defence Force has spent over $10 billion buying weapons and military equipment from the states in the past four years. Um, That is a huge amount. Can you sort of give us a bit of background, explain why this is so important? It's a lot of money, isn't it, when you (laughs) consider how how much money has been cut from so many essential services for Australians. And we must remember that this is our tax dollars, <coughs> your tax dollars, my tax dollars, that's going to fund 
essentially overseas wars led by the United States. That's what our real concern is, and it's great to have this released by the audit, the audit office because it, it lays it bare, really, that this four years uh, that, uh, uh, that that um, spending has occurred over is also the last four years that we've been involved in the wars of Iraq, most recent wars of Iraq and Syria, um, which is the Pandora's box that was opened with our engagement in the war in Iraq in 2003. So I think there's a direct relationship between um, our foreign uh, involvement in US-led wars and this amount of money that's being spent. <coughs> so that's our real concern, is this is an indication really of just um, the consequences of our military alliance with the United States. Yeah, absolutely. And I noticed um, on your website you're... Your concern is also that um, this can perhaps make Australia complicit in um, in some way, even at arm's length, potentially in war crimes or um, activities that are illegal under the Geneva Convention, um, particularly things like in Syria and that sort of thing. Is that um, is that something that you are very concerned about or just...? Very concerned. Mm. Yeah, I think it's the, uh, it's the unrecognised... Uh, one of the unrecognised consequences of our engagement in, in these uh, wars in the Middle East, in particular when we had a conference at um, Alice Springs uh, in 2016 <coughs> where a young woman called Alex Edney Brown talked about the uh, use of drones in warfare and the um, the potential for war crimes um, to do with drones being used out of Australian, well, being facilitated by uh, operations in Pine Gap on Australian territory is very significant. So that's just one aspect of the illegality that we will be pursuing. But also the engagement in the wars in Iraq um, and most recently Iraq and Syria are also questionably illegal. And uh, IPAN is very interested in looking at this and working with lawyers in Australia to to just unpack just what laws have been broken and see what we can do about this. Mm. And so obviously then, if what we're talking about has really significant repercussions, potentially legally for Australia, also massive moral questions here that we're wrestling with, um, is this something that politicians routinely vote on, the military spending and that sort of thing? Unfortunately not, Lauren. Um, since, the, since the Iraq war, there's been calls for an inquiry in Australia into the background of John Howard supporting the United States in Operation Enduring Freedom. My God, what a misnomer <laughs> that is. <laughs> but we've been unsuccessful in, um, in making that happen. Nevertheless, uh, there is a, uh, an organisation called Australians for War Powers Reform which continues to to work for that end, that we have an inquiry into the Iraq war, but also subsequent wars since that time. And IPAN supports this organisation in their efforts, and we do what we can to, to support them. Um, essentially what um, does happen when our country, um, our government, uh, decides to engage in a foreign war is that it happens at cabinet level. There is no uh, 
questioning of it in the Parliament. Um, let's remember that we supposedly live in a democracy and that our political representatives are there to, to represent us. Uh, if we are to actually make a democracy work, then we have to exercise our rights. We have to be onto our political representatives, let them know the things that we're concerned about, and in particular our engagement in foreign wars, <clears throat> and pressure them to, to raise these issues in Parliament. Now, we've had some wonderful um, politicians do that, and a few from the Labor Party, but also um, Scott Ludlam, who's been a great supporter, I must say, of, of IPAN since its inception. And uh, he's he's really missing in action from the Parliament yeah, at the moment. We felt. we wish him well, but uh, and he's he's done some amazing work for raising these really important issues uh, in the in the community. But you know, in a nutshell, we, you know, us as citizens in this country, we need to be really talking to our political representatives, getting them to raise these issues in Parliament. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And look. I'm going to uh, maybe play a bit of the devil's advocate here and ask a question. But um, So the ABC recently, um, I was reading some articles, and they quoted the U.S. Defense Secretary Cooperate Security Cooperation Agency, um, which was basically saying that the sales of their bombs to Australia would bolster America's foreign policy and national security, but also contribute to political stability and economic progress in the Western Pacific. So that... Um, in, com- in combination with Australia's 2016 Defence White Paper, which stated that increased military spending is necessary for prosperity and stability in the region. Um, these two things together seem like um, this is totally necessary. We should definitely be ramping up military spending because um, it's going to keep us safe in the Western Pacific. What's your take on this? What would you say to that? Yeah, it, look, it's a... Um it's a um, message that's been promulgated for a very long time and it really does resonate with a lot of people. Um, Alison Bronowski, Professor Alison Bronowski, recently wrote a, an article for the Men and Your blog, which I encourage people to read, the Men and Your blog, um, <coughs> where she talked about <coughs> uh, Australia's insurance premiums to the United States and how... <clears throat> the insurance premiums have just got out of hand. Um, I think since the Second World War, the message has been has, uh, has been promulgated to the Australian community that we needed America to save us in the Second World War, and that um, that insurance policy has been perpetuated since that time. Now, in terms of whether or not it's worth continuing to pay the premiums that have gone up, 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 up since that time. We have to look at that. Is it is our military alliance with the United States making us more secure or not? And I think if you look at the wars that we've engaged in from Korea in the 50s to the Middle East today, you'd have to say that we have not achieved greater security in that time. And I think we really need to closely examine uh, the alliance with the United States because it is not making Australia safer. It is not making the world safer. Millions of people have died during that period of time as a result of America engaging in wars that are nothing about the defence of America's people, mm. nothing about the defence of Australia's people. It's about propping up and supporting the um, 
military-industrial complex of the United States, and everybody pays and everybody suffers other than those corporations that are reaping the profits and the, the gains from all of this yep. warmongering. Yeah. Absolutely. Annette, thank you so very much for joining us this morning. It's been fantastic to speak with you and all the best with IPAN's work. I hope, uh, I hope we see an independent and peaceful Australia soon. Thanks, Lauren. I just encourage people to go to our website and sure. just have a look. We've just upgraded our website. I'm pretty pleased with it. <laughs> you can, um, through the website, people can become supporters. They can join the network. They can find out more about our activity. So um, I'm sure you'll let people know the address to go to. Yes, I'll be sharing it on our Facebook page (laughs) after the show. (laughs) And thanks again for the interview. Thanks, Annette. Have a good day. And that was Annette Brownlee from the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network. We're going to play a couple of quick community announcements and then we have a live guest in the studio. Get excited. You're listening to 3CR Radio. From every corner of the land, womankind arise! Women on the Line, a current affairs program devoted to women's voices, covering a diversity of women's interests and hearing women's perspectives on current affairs. Erosion of human rights leads directly and inevitably to erosion of human security. We do not accept the denial of our rights because the right to have a say over our country is our life. Women on the Line. Tune in on Mondays at 8.30am and Wednesdays at 6am on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. And streaming live at 3cr.org.au. VCR are selling kefir Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done by law, 6pm Tuesdays. Welcome back to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. I'm just a huge ball of excitement right now. Um, We very rarely get guests live in the studio, Um, but today we are joined by the fabulous... Oh, she's raving. It's it's so early for this. This is Nick Ranger from Data Ono um, and many other things, but we'll get to that. (laughs) Welcome, Nick. Hi, Lauren. 
Yay. Um, so I'm so stoked that Nick has agreed to speak with us today because I've known you for a couple of years, I reckon. Um, but you are just one of the most impressive people I know and your energy just like, no, it's just this energy that just effervesces <laughs> out of you. Um, so how are you? I'm really, really good. Yeah. Um, it is, be- it is before 9am and my gosh, I'm awake. Yeah. And I'm coherent. Speaking. Yeah. Thank goodness I'm coherent. <laughs> yeah, but good morning, Melbourne. Yay. So you are the front woman, songwriter, and artistic genius and behind. And stressful behind Dada Ono. Yes. Correct. What is Dada? Tell us. Um, so the actual namesake from Dada Ono comes from the art movement uh, Dada, which is like, I, I don't know, it's like the the biggest and first and coolest punk rock movement of um of art so I was like oh hell yeah yeah I identify with that I I love that um why not call a band something that was like truly punk rock mm-hmm. yeah and now we just do like psychedelic punk rock but you know it's fine it's very punk though I've seen you in your flower helmet and it's, yeah, <laughs> it's wild um and so how's the band going what's happening at the moment um, so at the moment we have just introduced a new member um, to the fold. So we have five people. Um, at, yeah. So Tejo Ducros, uh just joined us for our show on the seventh at the top, and it was so much fun. Awesome. The photos yeah. looked crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And you released an album last year. Yes, tenth of March. It was Granny Love Smith. It's fantastic. You've probably heard some songs from it that we play on air. I thank you. It's a great album. I love. Um, I'm. Thank you so much for the love. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. And have you been touring a lot? What's um, What's going on with that? Yeah. So last year we toured the south um, south coast of Australia. So we we literally just like jumped all into my car and just kind of hot boxed our way all the way up to Brisbane, which was I don't know. It was really really nice. It was really nice to actually be able to connect with a lot of different bands and things like that that would be on Melbourne. Um, and I guess, like, moving forward for this year, because we have a fifth member, um, we're just, like, heads down, bums up, baby. We are riding. Yeah, yeah. awesome. So you're thinking another album is in the works? Are you going to do... I can't even ask you that, because who knows what's going on up there? Just <laughs> <laughs> creative, creative. Um, we have a lot of really... Yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm actually really not sure what uh, I, I should say because I don't want to yeah. um, set the bar like super high or super low. So I don't know. There are really fun things okay. that are coming in. So we could leave it at a watch this space, kind of watch it very closely. Yeah. And go to all the shows. Yeah. Yeah. And But the revolution will be televised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank God for that because, you know, people don't get out much anymore. Um, so... Before I forget, I did notice on Facebook that you wanted to talk about some of the Melbourne musicians that you're just loving right now. Oh, my gosh. I actually brought a list. Okay, Look, good, because we need some inspo. Oh, awesome. One of the things that... Because I'm originally from Queensland. Uh, you know, you can judge me for that all you like. That's fine. But I absolutely live for the Melbourne scene here. It is just at such a ridiculously impressive calibre um, that for me as a musician and for artist and creator and whatever um, hat I'm wearing at the moment, um, it's just like I've got to up my game. There are so many amazing people that I've met. I mean, my gosh, I've met you and now I've met you, M- MV. Um, <laughs> and it's, I, I don't know, like I'm, I'm a really big fan of this show and you guys always, 
do a lot to um, talk about really important issues as well as play a lot of really, really great local artists. So Well, there are also, a lot of great local artists. It's, oh it's really amazing to live here. And so is that quite important to you, that sort of the culture that you're existing in and creating in and the community that springs from it? Is that inspirational? Or? Oh, absolutely. And I think... Um, I think for all the musicians here, they really do go out of their way to foster a very kind, um, inclusive, and pretty woke community here. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed that's to say okay. it That's okay. We're not allowed to say it on air, but that's totally fine. You, oh, bleep. <laughs> it's done now. Look, sorry, everybody. <laughs> no, it's all but good. There, yeah, um, there's, just, there's just like a really nice um, consciousness mm-hmm. that... Um, that I've met from most people here that I haven't really seen in other communities um, that there's this close before. So it's been really, really nice. Um, and also, too, like, the music is just next-level excellent. So I have, like, I've actually got, like, a couple of pages of, like, amazing musicians. Do you want to give us, like, <laughs> a top three, and yep. then maybe we can... Um put up the photos of these on our Facebook page Ooh. and be like, Nick Ranger recommends. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I've got... Right. How about we do top five albums, top five singles of 2017? All right. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> the mic is yours. Is that is that is that too much? I don't know. No, All give right. it to us. Okay, well, my top five albums 2017, number... Um, actually, they're in no particular order. This is just... Um, something like things that I've appreciated Destrans they released their EP Lousy Lover and to see them live to be in the audience the atmosphere is just utterly electric and my favourite single off that Lousy Lover which is also the title of the EP it's just dripping in sex it's oh oh like seriously, if if I want to get pumped up and I want to feel just like a little bit extra, I'm just like oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put that on. <laughs> like, Move ooh. over, Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live for them, and they're also wonderful people. They're um, I'm really proud to say they're friends of mine. So awesome. go check them out. Um, Ammo and the Sniffers, um, huge year for them. Um, their their album Big Attraction is just incredible. Like I love her energy. She just is such a such sorry. <laughs> wow. When I don't have to I know, say swearing. You don't realise it until you're But I live I live for them. Um <laughs> and uh their their first song on their album, um, I'm not a loser, it will just get stuck in your head mm-hmm. and kinda drive you a little bit crazy, but it's just like I'm not a loser. And it's it's great. Totally recommend. Another really um big artist that I've been watching for a couple of years actually, Orb. Like they've just they're blown up and it's so nice it's so nice to see um really really great musicians just um really succeeding both mm-hmm. like i think they've gone on tour like internationally uh, actually Amazing. i don't actually know that but um so their their album naturality my favorite is definitely orb it's kind of like black sabbathy love it and of course um Face Face, mm-hmm. their self-titled album is incredible. My favorite track off that, definitely No Way. Like, if you love Sleater Kinney and you like like it going into like those really grungy, heavy moments into it, oh, No Way, check that that um, that track out. It's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And of course, Jen Kola, I've got to, of course, yeah, I'm I'm 
try to like be a little bit mindful to like talk about um, maybe. S- I don't know smaller bands or like mm. mid tier to like large, but no. Jen Clover is just an absolute powerhouse, yeah. and she did an amazing. Um, she did an amazing album, which is self-titled again, and of course my favorite track of that is "Forgot Myself," which has been like on high rotation, but it's it's just a like just that near yeah. bit into the music. Ah, oh. amazing! I'm gonna be a huge pain in your neck. Can we not do your five singles? No, no. I was worried about time. <laughs> no, that's okay. I know. I'm looking at the clock, but because I want to ask you more about um, one of my favorite things that you do is you blend that crazy love of music that we just saw, like pouring out of you, with your really huge passion for social justice and art, just like generally your illustration mm-hmm. and your creativity. And I just wanted to ask you, um, I don't even know where to begin. Like, <laughs> do you see that convergence is really important? Do you see it as a way to get the message across? Like, what does it mean to you to have all of these things going on inside of you and pouring out, um, like your marriage equality video that we shared on the Facebook page and that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, look, I, the way that I see it is that um, I just want to be 100% authentic to myself. And what I care about, what, what I want to talk about I don't really see that there should be too much barrier to share that with my art and my crafts because if if I'm talking about it if I'm wanting to make videos about it wanting to explore that like like I really care like this is this is like not only just my life but these are um these are affecting the people in my community around me and some like I don't know sometimes I feel like a bit of responsibility to that but um Last year, I was really, really proud to be a part of a, um, a couple of festivals that, um, and some of my friends who wanted to raise money for um, mental health mm-hmm. and suicide awareness. Like it's, we like I know so many people that that it affects, and having like the um, the marriage equality plebiscite happen, like it, it was just it's really, really hard to see that happen. Um, and I wanted to make content um, around that that was both informative but also empowering because, yeah. like, we see and we when we're talking about it, like, it's so hard to see on a on a national scale your identity being debated as to whether it, whether or not like we are we are allowed to exist. Yeah, and it's just the most disempowering thing of all. Oh, it's, yeah, it was just so difficult. Um, and I just thought, well, what can I do that is going to, I don't know, put a smile on somebody's style yeah. and make them be like, yeah, this is like, I, like I, I am out, I am loud, I am, I am queer and that is okay. Like I can have my identity and a future too. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah you're a whole person. Yeah. Yeah, so that's just my thoughts on that. <laughs> okay, no, that's beautiful. And I, I think that video puts smiles on everybody's dials. And, like, your, you know, all of your art and the things that you sell for a good cause and all of these things, like, I just, yeah, I think you're a radical babe. I think I you're a radical you. babe too. Oh, I'm so sorry. That is definitely all we have time for. <laughs> um, but I'm going to take a photo of all of your, anything you want to post up on the Facebook page and get it up because I think we all need to hear these crazy, beautiful bands that you yes. love. Oh, my gosh, they're amazing. And do you want to plug some next shows at all? Yeah. Um, I, I wrote, wrote them down too. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, so the next show that we've got is the 13th of January um, for our really good friends, the Naysayers. They're doing their EP launch for Hellfire Sing Sing. Exciting. Yeah. Um, and then we're accompanied with Honeybone at the Grace Darling. Beautiful. Then, of course, on the 15th of February, I am so excited. <laughs> She's oh, trembling. She's trembling. I literally, <laughs> yeah, I haven't even had coffee. This is like all pure natural energy <laughs> just pouring out of my pores. Um, Masco Sound System, who are incredible. Like, my gosh, if they released an album last year, I would have, yeah, they were on my single list. But check them out because we're playing with them on the 15th of February at the Curtain with Hot Fudge Sunday. Again, who had an amazing single, Sunshine. Oh, so great. Um, So I'm really excited to play with them. On the 24th of February, we've got a headliner show with the Wilder Jeans at Gin Lane. So... Amazing. MV looks like they're definitely going to that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Super excited. We love you so much. Thank you so, so much for coming in and braving the traffic. And all the best with 2018. Thank you. You too. Uh, Hi, my name's Sarah. I love coming here because they offer vegan food. Hi, my name's Paul. This is my first time at Friends of the Earth. I think it's really awesome and the food's great. Really healthy and nutritious. Friends of the Earth Food Co-op, 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. A tuneful experience. A 3CR supporter. Hi, I'm Maurice. And I'm Mario. And we're Chronically Chronically Chilled. A program that aims to provide a platform to those living with chronic and invisible illness, as well as exploring topics that impact on our daily lives. Listen to Chronically Chilled, the first Wednesday of every month at 6pm. We have uh, become refugees for a second time inside the, this hellhole, abandoned and left to fend for ourselves uh, as best we can. We are asking people around the world to hear our voice. We are forgotten people who have been under torture in an Australian prison camp for nearly five years, even though we have committed no crime. The Australian government is now willfully forcing us into even more danger. Able-bodied Australia does not realise that people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go and I don't like it and I'm saying so. You're listening to 3CR, 855 on the AM dial. Great Voices CDs on 3CR. These CDs are a unique collection. Now you can go to 3cr.org.au and you can order online all the 20 CDs, 15 issues, for $160 postage pay. Or check the individual issues and read each track on it. Every major singer is on there. You'll be excited and entranced. Go to 3cr.org.au now 
and check out the wonderful Great Voices CDs. Remember, Nainok's a special day for us, fellas. That's a reminder who we are. Every year for Nainok Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am a black, black man. Nainok means a lot to me. It's about identity and also about past and present. Nainok means a lot to me for my family and my people. And the people forgetting about our rights. You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcasts. Happy Nadoff! And welcome back to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. We were just joined in the studio by Nick Ranger of Data Ono, and I can't even believe we have now got another guest live in the studio. This is very exciting. We are joined by a lovely lady named Awak. Yay. Hey. Hey, how are you going? <laughs> good, good. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. So um, uh, we have asked you to come in today primarily to talk about um, the, oh, I don't even know where to begin with it. <sighs> the intense and awful racial profiling of the South Sudanese community by, it seems like, pretty much every politician, um, except a few very vocal ones at the moment, and a lot of arms of the media. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you are a member of the South Sudanese community? Yes, so I guess I'm a young person of the South Sudanese community. (laughs) You look young. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I, I guess I really wanted to come on and really talk with you guys because... As a young Sassanese person, this it's pretty annoying for us. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of our leaders and um, you know community leaders come out and really you know try and speak for us. But I think I wanted to speak on behalf of the young people as well. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, like I represent them as well because I'm part of their community mm-hmm. and I guess um, understand what's going on. Yeah, because. You know, like, I'm, I'm in the scene, you're, I yeah, guess. Absolutely, yeah. you're in the community. Yeah, yeah. and um, so many things are blown out of proportion sometimes, and yeah, it's it's frustrating, and it's... Yeah. 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 So, okay, maybe, um, maybe we'll do a little bit of uh, background. Yes. So, what is your take on this sudden focus on the South Sudanese youth as a you know, as one big group of, just a group, not even individuals. Yeah, um, this has been happening for a while. Um, This has been happening way back when, like 2007, probably even earlier before I came to Australia as well. Um, We've been antagonised quite a bit in the media because we're such a small minority and because we're such a small minority, it's so easy to, like, point us out. Totally. It's hard not to be the only dark-skinned person around, you know what I mean? Like, people can see us. Yeah. And we travel in groups as well. And um, and is that is that... So I noticed that you bring that up as a very specific thing. Is that yeah. a decision that you consciously make for a reason or it just happens to be that you're generally it's, out with your friends? Yeah. Or, yeah, it just so happens to be like that. Like, when you're going to Moomba, 
Sorry, if you're going to go to Moomba, you're going to go with a bunch of your friends. Oh my gosh, of course. Yeah, yeah. and you're going to bump into more of your other friends. Yeah. If you're going to go to the beach, you're going to go see your friends. So it's and not a gang running riot. No, it's, yeah. no, it's just a bunch of people who just so happen to be in the same place at the same time. And we're yeah. really comfortable together because we know each other more. And, um, you know, we we want to, I guess, we most of us have, like, really assimilated to Australia, I suppose um, I have because I'm not from you know I'm not from Australia. I wasn't born here. Mm-hmm. I am a citizen, yes, but um, I got to assimilate. So I've got friends and everything like that, yes. Yeah. But like I like to be with my Sassanese people. Like that's my identity. That's, of course, yeah. I hang out with them. They're my friends. They're my family and everything like that. So yeah. it's just like. The fact that I can't hang out with them or bump into them at Moomba is like... Without suspicion being zeroed without in. Without suspicion, and exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's quite frustrating, but... And so, this, um, I guess this, like, this warping of, um, of these kinds of things from the media and from a lot of commentators and politicians and that sort of thing, this... And I guess, like, let's not mince words, this hate-mongering, this targeting, this racial profiling. Mm-hmm. How does this affect you and, and your community? Um, and if you don't feel comfortable... No, no, it's, it's completely fine. Like, um, saying f- it's frustrating is the least... <laughs> like the tiniest The tiniest, yeah, <laughs> description of how I feel because I can't catch... You know, trains in peace. I can't mm-hmm. catch a cab in peace. I have to hail down like five, ten cabs a night. Like it's ridiculous, and it's just like before I even jump in a cab, I'm like, oh, I'll pay first. Like, and it's just on my own. I'm just by myself. What could one person do yeah. on their own? Yeah. And like the media makes us seem like we're this out of control. Have no idea of where we're going. No sense of. Um, directionality I guess Mm -hmm. or that we have that we just came here and we're just taking over and we're taking all these resources from Australia and we're just you know and that's not true and you know this is small you know small tiny group of people can't represent an entire community of Australia which is that's part of my frustration as well because it's like they're just kids. Yeah. They're just kids being kids. And kids can't represent no. people who are going to uni and doing normal things every day and really want to live. And It comes back to that idea, I feel like, when I read these articles, you know, Western media and Western culture allows white people to have a plurality of different people within their communities and different emotions and feelings and abilities within themselves. Yeah. But when it comes to racial minorities, they tend to say that this this small, like you say, this tiny, tiny group of kids yeah. is representative of an entire community yeah. of diverse, multi-aged, multi-gendered people. Like, it's just, it's so narrow, tunnel vision. Yeah, and it's, um, I have a lot of friends, you know, who are working their asses off. Sorry. Um, That's okay. We've been working. <laughs> Who are working really, really hard around the clock, you know, to make something of themselves. Mm. You know, I've got friends who are artists, who are musicians, who are, you know, going to uni to become lawyers, who are, are who are lawyers, who are doctors, you know, who are working in the community, working with, you know, First Nations. They're doing things, a lot of things, yeah. a lot of incredible things. And all of that is overshadowed by a tiny group of people. And it's just, with all that being said, like, this group of tiny people who 
are doing all these reckless and antisocial behavior and stuff like that. It, like, at no point did we think maybe something's up with these kids. Yeah. Like, why do they feel like they can run around? Like, you know, the best way, of, the best criminal justice approach is to see why you feel the need to exactly. act in this dysfunctional way. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, like, that's usually what you do with youth in the first place. You know, the psychology of youth, isn't yes. it? Yes, yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. it works. Absolutely. When kids do bad things, we want to know why they're doing those bad things and what triggered those things. And yeah, and not demonize them and, and talk about putting them on a plane back to a country they haven't lived in in decades. And thing is, some of these kids were born here. Yeah, I I wasn't born here, so um, if anybody wants a free ticket, I'll take that free ticket back. You know, if anybody's going to get deported, I'll get deported back because I'm a citizen in two countries. These kids. They're citizens of Australia, yeah. and they're Australian, and their identity is Australian, and it hurts them because Absolutely. this is the only home that they've ever known, and it's so unfair to just be like, oh, you've done something bad, so we're going to banish you to somewhere you don't know. Like, No, and if they've grown up here, this is as much a product of Australia as it is of the way that Australia has treated them and right. made them feel. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really, it's it's sad as well for, like, my little sister as well, because she doesn't know how to feel about it. She's she's a Australian-born as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, she can't even hang out with her friends properly without them, you know. They're like, oh, this is what you guys do, right? Like, it's it's a backlash on everybody. Yeah, yeah. And it's tarnished an entire community. Yeah, yeah. and she she's a sweetheart. She's just... She's just kid she's 13 she has no idea what's going on and she just sees all these kinds of like negative media attention and she's just like what did I do I don't remember doing anything at all I mean and that's concerning to think that she's going to grow up with that sense of self imprinted on herself yeah from these external forces I mean no like definitely it's not going to do that um as Sassanese kids we have for me especially we've grown with a really thick layer of skin <laughs> so it's part of our day-to-day like okay. racism is part of our day-to-day and we learn it at a very very young age and we kind of just grow up with it and it's yeah like it's very normal to us which is a shame but yeah like I don't know how to explain no, it yeah 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 um and I might, uh, I think we've got time for one more question. Yep. Um, we'll just end on a, you know, an easy note. Um, <laughs> what does it mean, do you think, to uh, to be Australian? Ayan wanted me to ask you this question. <laughs> That's good, yeah. Mm. Um, my, my interpretation of being Australian has changed quite a bit over the years. When I first moved to Australia, I was so happy. And when I got my citizenship with my parents... I was so happy. I was like, oh, my gosh, we've got a home and, mm-hmm. you know, and we're accepted and we're free and we're, you know, we're included in a conversation and, you know, we're we're allowed to do what we want and we can contribute to the um, community and, and stuff like that. And over time, being what it meant for me as a Sassanese Australian, it meant that I was Sassanese Australian and not just Australian anymore. Yes. So that has shifted quite a bit. So now I see myself as South Sudanese Australian, whereas I used to think I was just Australian. I was just another Aussie kid and everything like that. But now I 
carry that label, I suppose. Yeah. So, um, that's a significant shift. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's. Yeah, it, yeah, it is, and but like, I I feel like what it really meant to be Australian, or what it means to be Australian, is just to be, just a good wholesome person. Like as, that's what Australia is all about. Like, fair go. We that's who we are. Like, yeah. that's what we've always preached since I came. That. Like, that's just what we've always talked about. Vega, yeah. Vega, Vega. And we're just a wholesome, good country. And let's just be good to our people, you know? Oh so. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, I think that is the perfect note to end on. Um, thank you so very much oh, for talking. And from such a personal place. We really, really appreciate no, it. No worries. You're thank welcome you. back anytime. <laughs> thank you. You were listening to Awak. And this is Tuesday Morning Breakfast on 3CR. 3CR Breakfast would like to say thanks to program sponsor, The New International Bookshop, for the financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall at 54 Victoria Street, Carlton. Rumination. 3CR's Rooming House and Homeless Persons Issues Program. Featuring information on health and housing services, as well as live local guests, artists and performers from our unsung community. Join us at 12pm on Thursday on 3CR 855 AM. Great Voices CDs on 3CR. These CDs are a unique collection. Now you can go to 3cr.org.au and you can order online all the 20 CDs, 15 issues, for $160 postage pay. Or check the individual issues and read each track on it. Every major singer is on there. You'll be excited and entranced. Go to 3cr.org.au now and check out the wonderful Great Voices CDs. The social safety net in Australia is being eroded by government cutbacks to essential services and also bullying tactics, as we've seen recently with the Centrelink robo-debts, for just one example. This is a public Over the Wall wants to offer you some simple tools to fight back and defend yourself against a grossly unfair and aggressive system. A system that penalises people already disadvantaged by poverty and significant health conditions. Tune in every Monday at 7.50am on Monday Brekkie for Over the Wall.
Gabby Young, and we have been lucky enough to have some fantastic interviews this morning, and now we are going to be chatting with Nasa Mashni from the Australia-Palestine Advocacy Network. Good morning, Nasa. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks, Lauren. Good morning to you and your listeners. Thank you. Um, so, um, firstly, maybe just for a bit of background, could you tell us what the Australia-Palestine Advocacy Network, or let's go with APAN, um, yep. is and what it does? So APAN uh, is the peak Australian-Palestine advocacy representative movement. It's a, a broad-based coalition made up of Palestine solidarity activists, uh, unions, churches, uh, and in fact we, we count some uh, Jewish solidarity groups among our memberships, as well as normal everyday Australians as well. So um, our, our, um, our remit is to advocate for justice for the Palestinians, the application of international law in the occupied territories, and um, a search for justice for the Palestinian people. Wonderful. Um, so there are about 50,000 things that I would love to ask you right now, but um, <laughs> I think the, the couple of big things that have really been dominating the news lately, um, firstly, Trump naming Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Why is that so significant? What does that actually mean in practical terms? Look, in the first sense, I mean, look, endeavouring to rationalise an irrational person's behaviour is, you know, an act, uh, an act in futility. But what it means to the Palestinians is, um, and, and Trump calls it, you know, he's taking Jerusalem off the table so we should be able to negotiate, resume negotiations. In fact, Jerusalem is, you know, I would argue the second most important thing for Palestinians, the first being um, the, the repatriation and uh, reparations payable to uh, the refugees that were ethnically cleansed when Israel was created. Mm-hmm. But Jerusalem is both symbolically, historically and economically the capital of Palestine. And when you remove um, remove such a vital thing from the negotiations, remove that from from uh, Palestine. In fact, what he's done, and uh, we can evidence it by the, the change in uh, reportage, is it, it's, almost, it's almost the death of the two-state solution because there isn't a Palestinian leader alive. Our late president, uh, Yasser Arafat, couldn't 
have signed uh, uh, a peace agreement without Jerusalem as the capital of Palestine. Uh, and without Jerusalem, we're now moving towards a discussion of, okay, well, between the river and the sea, there's two peoples, both with competing claims. Um, one country rules all of that area. There is only one currency, only one currency that's used, the Israeli shekel. Um, there's one current country that uh, controls the birth and death registry. There's one country that controls the taxes. There's one country that controls the entry and exit points, and that's the state of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, if you celebrate God on, on Saturday, um, you can vote in elections and uh, have full democratic rights. If you celebrate God on Friday or Sunday and happen to be within Green Line Israel, then you'll get uh, a taste of the, that, that bit of democracy. But if you celebrate God on um, on Friday or Sunday and live in Gaza, East Jerusalem or the West Bank, um, illegally occupied by the State of Israel, you don't get to vote. But if you celebrate God on Saturday and you live in those places, you do. So mm. what we have is an apartheid regime and we have two peoples and two sets of laws and based on your religion as to what you can do uh, and how you can participate in a democracy or not. And the, the, the discussion now, and if you online and reading um, uh, different articles from around the world, the discussion now is a move away from the two-state solution to a struggle for equal rights. And and that's, you know, that has happened on, on a really increased uh, level since um, uh, Trump recognised Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Mm. And so in line with that, I guess they're, they're changing their, their tone on Israel and they're changing their their rhetoric around supporting the Palestinian people. Um, and so they've been talking, uh, sorry, they being um, the United States have talked a lot about limiting or completely withdrawing funding from uh, what is called the United Nations Relief and Works Agency or the UNRWA. Yeah. Um, what, what is that all about? Why are they doing that? Look, um, you'd have to think that he's pandering to his constituency, yeah? Um, the evangelical Christian right um, is a very powerful lobby group. Um, at the same time that he's, you know, saying that he's going to defund UNRWA, he's going to, you know, he's made um, a tweet about defunding the Palestinian Authority, that, you know, we give them hundreds of millions of dollars and they give us nothing, not even respect and return. Um, he's he talked last year about closing the PLO office in, in Washington, you know, our, our de facto um, embassy. Mm. Um, the, the reality is he, he's making this sort of rhetoric and it, you know, panders to that Christian evangelical right-wing uh, constituency. But in fact, at the same time, he's getting messages from, the, from Israel saying, listen, you can't go doing that. If you do that and the PA collapses, um, the... the, the the management of the occupation is going to fall back upon us. Mm-hmm. And one of the great achievements of Oslo from the Israeli uh, perspective is that they were able to contract out the occupation to the Palestinian Authority. Um, you know, before Oslo, um, the Israelis were in charge of, uh, you know, civil services into the Palestinians they occupied. The Israelis were in charge of running healthcare and, um, you know, schools, etc. Now. The, the the rest of the world funds the Palestinian Authority and the Palestinians administer it to themselves. Now, all that was part of a, a plan for the Palestinians to build a state, you know, build the um, institutions of, of, of a state. And, you know, the PA did the best they could. The challenge is that their, their partner, the other signatory to the Oslo Accords, never had any intention of giving Palestinians self-determination. Mm. Yeah. 
Right. And so then if they are going to defund or withdraw funding from an organization that's specifically set up to then support Palestinian civil society, um, mm -hmm. I suppose they're happy to to fund the occupation, but not then the support yeah, yeah. and care and actual livelihoods. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, one, one of the challenges we have is um, uh, a reality that as brutal as Donald Trump is, Barack Obama signed a $38 billion 10-year U.S. gift to Israel. I mean, Donald Trump is no worse mm. than Barack Obama. Like you dress up Corp anything uh, in nice rhetoric, and it's uh, correct. It's, it's you know, he was just you know, just uh, uh, his rhetoric was so much more polished. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, the challenge is, you know, the Palestinians have been denied their rights by consecutive administrations. It's just that Trump is, you know, just a bulldozer, and it, it makes it uh, so easily. Um, transparent what's going on. Yeah. The reality of defunding UNRWA, though, I mean, if, if we go to the actual um, human beings, there's over 5 million Palestinian refugees that are dependent upon UNRWA for services from schooling to health care. Um, you know, UNRWA has something of the order of twelve to 15,000 teachers that are employed, like, you know, Palestinian yeah. schools, something uh, in excess of 75% of Gazans, you know, who are in their 11th year of a crippling um, siege and you know often we talk about siege without actually going back to what does a siege no, mean you I'm, know I'm so so sorry, sorry. no 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 um, look I um, this is such an important topic and I hate hate doing this but um, we're about to actually get cut off the air completely okay. so um, right. I just wanted to I'll put up the um, the APAN links um, on our Facebook page and I would love to have you Please. back sometime soon so that we can complete um, complete this discussion Fantastic. thank Thanks you so much for joining us and this is Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. Thank you for joining us. And you, you can listen back at 3cr.org.au if you missed any of today's program. Have a great Tuesday. You're listening to... You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.